Hi, friends, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Direct Care Derm. My name is Stephen. I'm a board-certified dermatologist and direct care dermatology practice owner. I'm also your host. The Direct Care Derm is a podcast that gives you a blueprint for creating a direct care practice of your own with the help of my story as I'm living it and the stories of many friends and colleagues, both within dermatology and other fields of medicine and in relevant non-medical fields, such as marketing and finance. Each week, my friends and I will be bringing you tips, resources, education, entertaining stories, industry insights, and so much more. Consider this your one-stop shop for taking yourself from direct care curiosity to direct care mastery. At this point, you may find yourself asking, what is direct care? Direct care is the restoration of the therapeutic physician-patient relationship and the trust between patient and physician that has eroded so terribly over the last several decades. Direct care is addition by subtraction. It's the opposite of indirect care, the kind of care that's so frustrating to both patients and doctors, where appropriate care is constantly having to be justified to insurance companies and other third-party payers, and necessary medical care is delayed in sometimes disastrous ways, all in the blind pursuit of profit. If you or a doctor in your life has ever talked about being burned out in medicine, this is one of the biggest reasons why. Fortunately, there's something we can do about it. By removing as many barriers as possible that stand between physicians like myself and the people who need us, direct care practices seek to provide transparent, affordable, accessible, and superior care that meets and ideally even surpasses the expectations of the 21st century healthcare consumer. If you like this and want to subscribe to my newsletter, head over to LewellisMD.com. That's L-E-W-E-L-I-S M-D, as in medicaldoctor.com. For this episode, I'm going to share with you some ways that I intentionally started to develop myself as an authority in the field of both dermatology and specifically direct care since the abrupt termination that I experienced by my employer in August of 2023. I knew in my heart how important it would be if I wanted to make it on my own to build my brand as a physician. We all have a brand. If you don't think you have a brand, you still have one, but someone else is making it for you. Before I go any further, I want to give a little bit of a warning about how this episode might feel a little bit dry because I'm reading from posts that did well for me on LinkedIn, and for two of them, I also chose to share the comments. I did this intentionally to demonstrate how a platform like LinkedIn can be such a tremendous place for physicians to connect with both each as well as physician advocates and other professionals to have serious, difficult, supportive conversations. Most of my solo episodes won't be like this. It will be more off-the-cuff storytelling about what I've been going through, what's going well in the business, what's not going well, what are the financials looking like. I'm going to try to build this thing in public. But with this episode, I do want to show you how I'm building my social media presence, starting with LinkedIn and using that as a way of establishing myself as an authority in the space and how it's also a great place for connecting with other professionals. If this isn't your cup of tea, just go ahead and skip it. Episode four will be another interview with a fantastic dermatologist who just opened his direct care private practice in North Dakota. You won't want to miss that. I chose LinkedIn as a place to start building my brand because it's an area that I felt that I could safely connect with other doctors 
and advocates in the field who were supportive of doctors trying to make a change in healthcare. It's been a great experience so far. I've met a lot of people I otherwise wouldn't have. I've been able to support those people on their journeys by reading their posts, sharing them at times, leaving insightful comments, contributing to the discussion. This creates a virtuous cycle that I can already notice. The more I give, the more I receive. On this episode, I'm going to share with you some of my best performing posts since I started with my goal of actively posting at least five days per week a few months ago. I write about a lot of different things. It's impossible to know what's going to hit. The important thing is that you write or create whatever it is you're creating consistently. Don't be afraid to put it out there. If you never put it out there, it will never hit. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You may be surprised that I started with LinkedIn. If it gave you pause, take some time to think about why you felt that way. I've come to love LinkedIn as a platform. It's a friendly place, certainly a lot friendlier than a lot of other social media platforms, and it's a great way to connect with other people who have similar mindsets, are trying to do things that are innovative, challenging, groundbreaking sometimes. They aren't necessarily just trying to show off a curated life. Oftentimes, they're showing off their real life in valuable and vulnerable ways. If you're a physician and haven't thought much about building your brand yet, I encourage you to give it some thought. The great Dr. Una of Entree MD Business School and the Entree MD Podcast teaches us to be intrapreneurs. That's what I started doing while I was still employed. I had that nagging feeling that I didn't want this to be all it was for me as a doctor. So I started doing some things behind the scenes. I started thinking about what is my brand? How do I want people to perceive me? I may not be working at this company my whole life. That might be my decision. That might be not my decision. It turned out to be not my decision. No matter where you are in your career right now or what type of practice you're in, you can be building your brand. You can be supporting the business of you as a physician. You are a small business no matter where you are in your career right now, and you can always be doing things to support that. If you're an employed physician, and we know that the majority of physicians are right now, this is a trend that I think will start going in the other direction rapidly, but for now that's the case. You can still be an entrepreneur. The work you put in now will help massively if and when you decide to become an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong with having a job. If you're happy with your job, keep it. But if you're not happy, it doesn't have to be this way. I'm looking back right now at the timeline of my LinkedIn posts. If I go all the way to the bottom, it says it was from four years ago. The post right above that says it was from a year ago. Clearly around the time that I first started practicing as an attending dermatologist, I wasn't thinking at all about my brand or establishing myself as an authority in the field. I've learned a lot since then. As I scroll up, there are a few more posts that are labeled as one year ago, but they're sporadic. And then I see a couple from 10 months ago, eight months, eight months, seven months. So it looks like it was about six or seven months ago that I started taking this more seriously. 
It was about five months ago that I committed to posting about five times a week. That takes a lot of hard work and commitment to do that on a regular basis. But if you're trying to create anything, consistency is key. As I said before, you don't know what's going to hit. You just have to shoot your shots. And shooting them in public like this gives you the chance that someone might see that shot and say, Hey, I see something in that. The form is a little wonky. His elbow is a little off to the side. But there's something there. There's something in his eyes. Something in the way he follows through. There's potential there. You never know when it's going to hit. So I'm going to go back through some of my posts from the last five months or so when I did start becoming more consistent. I'll read aloud some of the posts that did the best. Again, who knows what makes them do the best? And what does the best even mean? The metric I'm using here is the easiest one to get from LinkedIn. That's what's called impressions. That simply means how many times did the LinkedIn algorithm put this post in front of someone else on LinkedIn? It has nothing to do with engagement, pressing the like button, making a comment, reposting it, nothing at all. In the last six months, I've created something and posted it to LinkedIn 107 times. Now I said created something and posted it to LinkedIn rather than simply saying posted on LinkedIn for a reason. I'm not counting things that are simply a repost of someone else's thing that I just want to share to show my support for them and amplify someone else's voice. I'm talking about things that I actually created, writing that I did as a practice for the sake of getting better at writing and helping establish myself as an authority in the field. This is original writing that takes effort. The more I do it, the better I get, the better I get at it. It's the consistency that's important. So 107 times in about six months, I did a few calculations. Even counting weekends, that comes out to about 0.6 units of creativity per day in the last six months. That took a lot of hard work, but it's also been really fun, and I plan to continue to do it. If you're just getting started in the game, it is important to be on one of these social media platforms. Put yourself in front of other people. Practice being out there. Be willing to be cringe. You're going to be at first. That's normal. We're not all naturals at this, but you can become, with diligent practice, quite skilled at it. My goal will continue to be at least five days a week on LinkedIn. Once I'm happy with how LinkedIn is going and I feel like I'm hitting somewhat of a plateau, I'll move on to a different platform and try to master that one. I don't recommend spreading yourself too thin over too many different platforms when you're starting. It's also important to think about creating content that matches the platform. Things that do well and are meaningful on a platform like LinkedIn aren't the same things that do well on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, wherever you happen to be creating. Think about the platform. Think about your audience. Talk to your audience. Speak their language. Connect with them. Since we're talking about LinkedIn, it helps to have some context about the metric we're talking about. Again, I'm talking about impressions. I know a post is doing particularly well, at least for me. I'm not Richard Branson. But doing well for me at this point in my journey, if the number of impressions gets above about a thousand, 
I know the post is picking up some steam. As I'm looking at my analytics here, it looks like my top three posts from the last six months have a total of just north of 32,000 combined impressions. The number three top performer was at 6,030, number two was 12,227, and the top performer was 13,960. I originally thought I was only going to share the top three in this episode. Number four is actually about me amplifying someone else's story, and it's a story that's really important to me, so I want to read that one as well. That one got 3,566 impressions. It did well. Remember, the impressions are all about the algorithm. The algorithm decides who sees it. But as people start to engage with the comment, they hit that like button. They, they celebrate it. You start getting some comments. Maybe someone reposts it. These things all feed into the algorithm and cause LinkedIn to show it to more people, which gives it more impressions. And this is a flywheel effect. I have no idea how that algorithm really works, but I'm learning gradually through studying my posts that do well and don't do well, what tends to work and what tends not to work. That doesn't mean I'm only going to write things that I know will work. I still write what's important to me, but I can also learn how to tweak those things to get them in front of more people. So coming in at number four on the list is a story about amplifying someone else's story. Because podcasting is an audio medium and I'm narrating a post that also has visual media, I'll do my best to describe the full post. Today is about amplifying someone else's story. By reading Dr. Ashley Saucier's story, I hope others can learn, gain awareness and empathy, and start thinking about what they can do to make themselves more prepared to weather a storm like this if it happens. If something like this has happened to you, know you're not alone. Reach out. Heal and grow through connection. We're stronger together. Thanks to SomiDocs, also known as Doctors on Social Media, for publishing this and giving it some flair. Link to full article in the comments. Hashtag abrupt termination. Hashtag big box medicine. Hashtag healing. Hashtag trauma. Hashtag doctors. And the piece of media that I posted of it was a screenshot from the article that was posted along with a video narration on doctors on social media. The headline says, Terminated Without Cause, Effective Immediately. And there's an artistic photo that I believe Dr. Donna Coriel likely made. She's the founder of Somi Docs, wonderfully creative, great person. I look forward to having her on the show as well. The photo shows a stylized image of what looks like a woman. You can see her hair, you can see her forehead, you can see her eyes. There's a lot of color in this image. The image fades to just straight vertical lines that match the color in each segment of where her eyes were and forehead and hair. So then you only see that upper portion of the face and then fading to an abstract nothingness. This post garnered 21 reactions, 36 comments. And of course, some of those comments are me replying to people who commented. So those metrics are a bit inflated, but I do think that on LinkedIn especially, but also other platforms, if you're lucky enough to have people who are engaging with you in a positive way, interact with them. 
That's one of the most fun parts about it for me. Of course, there will be trolls from time to time. But again, LinkedIn is a shockingly troll-free or at least minimal troll zone. This one also got two reposts. And again, the total impressions was 3,566. The reason I wanted to include this one as well, even though I was only going to do the top three, is that because Ashley Saucier's story is extremely important for other doctors to hear. I'll link to it in the show notes so that you can read her story for yourself or listen to Dr. Coriel doing a wonderful narration of Dr. Saucier's story. In a comment on this post, Dr. Saucier thanked me as well as Somi Docs, and she said, Stephen, while I am sorry this happened to you as well, it has been a pleasure to meet and get to know you. Writing this article was a labor of love and one I almost did not publish. The lack of due process is also an issue that needs to be addressed. My termination impacted my team in a significant way, with the effects continuing to negatively impact both staff and operations. If anyone needs to talk about their experience, please reach out to Stephen or myself. We are happy to talk, give guidance, or simply be a sounding board. And then there were numerous replies to her comment. Some of them said, happened to me too. Someone encouraged us to read a book called Involuntary Exit by Robin Merle. I could have the pronunciation wrong. It's M-E-R-L-E. And then Robin actually commented on that, and she said, as I like to say, when you speak up, you find your community. Thanks for telling your stories. Linda Shapiro-Manning, MD-PhD, thanks for recommending my book, Involuntary Exit. I reread it myself, still surprised by some of the stories told to me by those who opened up about being fired. I'm also more empowered by those who began again and found new roles and a purpose they had never before imagined. I'm going to read all of the comments for this one because I think it's an because I think it's such an important story. David Norris, MD, MBA, CPE, said, Thank you for sharing this thought-provoking story. It's important to support one another and learn from experiences like these. We're stronger together. And I replied to him, Indeed, David. I'm grateful for Ashley's courage, and I'm grateful to be able to amplify her voice. Alexandra Stockwell, MD, a relationship and intimacy coach who I've become friends with through LinkedIn, said, This is a heart-wrenching story, and one we are having much more often. I'm curious if it's becoming more common or if it's just being brought to light more often. Quote, I no longer tie my job to my self-identity or self-worth. This was Alexandra quoting Dr. Saucier from the article. This is a vulnerable line from Dr. Ashley Saucier, and I know that going through this trauma will only make her stronger and better prepared for the future, knowing her identity and self-worth separate from her work. She's clearly an incredible, dedicated physician. And I said to Alexandra, this is a great question. I suspect the answer is yes and yes. Fortunately for physicians, our training and degrees travel with us. They can't take that away. And we can do a heck of a lot with it. Another wonderful doctor I've met through LinkedIn, Dr. Diana Londano, a urologist and the founder of Physician Coach Support, said, I agree. This is more common than we think. Don't internalize the dysfunction. This says nothing about you as a person most of the time, and most places will not want anyone that speaks up or rocks the boat. It is much easier to, quote, silence 
unquote, physicians by firing, by withholding bonuses and promotions. It is real and it is important to know and have always and always have a plan B for everything in life. I appreciate the courage to share it and to heal, amplify, and support physicians. Thank you, Stephen and Donna, for sharing this on SomiDocs. And I said to Diana, superb advice, Diana. And yes, there's always a plan B, or C through Z, which is so often more fulfilling and rewarding than plan A. Regarding not internalizing the dysfunction, I'm always reminded of the, quote, it's not your fault, unquote, scene between Robin Williams and Matt Damon's characters in Goodwill Hunting. It's important to remind ourselves of this, and having a great therapist like Robin's character sure helps. Susan J. Baumgartel, MD, who calls herself an advocate for patients and an ally to colleagues, she's also the author of the excellent book The Menopause Menu, and founder of My MD Advocate, another friend of mine I met through LinkedIn, says, we are absolutely all stronger together. Am. Thanks for the repost. Great article. And I said to her, you bet, the more folks who see things like this, doctors, lay people, C-suite execs, etc., the better. And then someone I don't know yet, named Mylene Rucker, who labels herself as an integrated health physician, said this happened to me at Brighter Beginnings in Richmond, California. I expressed to her, I'm sorry to hear that, Mylene. Thank you for sharing. It's so much more prevalent than any of us thinks. I hope and bet that you feel you are now better off outside of that organization. A radiologist with first name Christopher responded, I recently declined one of these, quote, termination in 90 days or any time thereafter without cause, quote, job, citing that precise terms in the contract as to the reason why I declined it. Private equity vulture capital groups in medicine have attorneys draft their contracts. Physicians are wise to use an attorney to review them. And the use of vulture capital there was his words. I replied to him, good for you, Christopher. I remember reading that part of the contract and thinking, no big deal, that won't happen. How wrong I was, but I know many others also still have that mindset. It will be interesting to see what the private equity groups move on to next once they dump the first round of frenzied acquisitions and find there isn't much more juice to squeeze. I couldn't agree more with your advice. We deserve and need experts on our side, and we have to be willing to pay for them. As healthcare attorney Amanda B. Hill says, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, an ECG, or an electrocardiogram, looks like a foreign language to me. An employment contract should look like a foreign language to you. And Amanda responded to me, so true. And Christopher, I think the only way to truly change the tide is if physicians start saying, no thanks, and standing up against the pressures to sign documents without editing or reviewing. Somehow along the way, doctors heard, oh, sorry, we don't negotiate. And they just shrugged and said, okay, then I guess I'll sign. No, we all need to advocate for stronger provisions. And we need to be sure that when you leave, you aren't hit like a scorpion tail with a bunch of fees and fines and a huge tail policy premium. The radiologist Christopher responded to Amanda and me. Amanda, I truly appreciate your comment. I don't pretend to understand the law, so I routinely seek out assistance of an attorney whenever I sign anything. Whatever it costs, it's less than the pain one may suffer later. While there are obvious things anyone who watched Perry Mason could figure out, the details matter, and that's where the legal experts come in. Yes, the private equity bubble is bursting in imaging. 
I have a feeling many no-cause colleagues are going to feel that pain, unfortunately. No one will ever present you with a contract that benefits you. I wish this was only in the permanent employment realm. I've seen some crazy terms in some consulting agreements I've been sent to. Before I continue with the comments, I want to say one thing about Amanda Hill. She is wonderful. She's a healthcare lawyer, a speaker, and an advocate for doctors, and she has a business called Guard My Practice. She will be on the podcast in the future for sure, and she is a fantastic resource for anyone looking for contract review or anything else related to healthcare law. Again, she can be found on LinkedIn at Amanda B. Hill. And then the SomiDocs account responded, thank you for sharing this article with your audience. Thrilled to have Dr. Saucier not only join our network community, but also pen this important article about having been terminated without cause. And I said, totally agree. It's my pleasure. I'm proud to support the SomiDocs venture any way I can. And another friend I met through LinkedIn, she calls herself a physician leader and a master certified physician development coach, among other things. Her name is Dr. Asha Padmanabhan. Padmanabhan said, Stephen and Ashley, your stories resonate so deeply with me, and I'm sorry to say it will resonate with so many other physicians. It's tragic that healthcare has come to such a pass that this is allowed to happen. The mental toll this takes on us as physicians is immense, not only worrying about our clinical work, but also when the ax is going to fall. No wonder we burn out and quit. I don't know what the solution is system-wide, but I do know, for me, I will continue working on non-medical income streams. And I said, thank you, Asha. Non-medical income streams are a huge source of stability and resilience. They can also be medical, just not employer-dependent. There are so many ways to make ourselves more resilient to something like this happening, and the more examples like you that doctors have, the better. I'd love to chat sometime about all the ways you enjoy strengthening that foundation for yourself. And then Michael Hirsch, MD, founder and CEO at a friend of mine and a gastroenterologist, said, this story is becoming all too common. As we shift to corporate healthcare structures, we shift to corporate cultures. It is extremely unsettling to hear these stories. I applaud you and Dr. Saucier for raising awareness and speaking out. It isn't easy, but it's essential. And I said, thank you, Michael. Awareness and change start with tough conversations. I'm grateful to be able to be a part of it and still feel safe while doing so. And another friend, wonderful doctor named Amna Shabir, MD, CPC. She's the founder of the Early Career Physicians Institute. She's also a certified wellness and life coach and a geriatrician. Please check out her Early Career Physicians Institute if you are an early career physician. The more you can find out about the things she's talking about early in your career, the better off you'll be. She says, Stephen, when you first shared your story, I was absolutely shook. I have no words to describe. Hearing Dr. Saucier's story made me feel the same way. We have to support each other, and one of the key points is amplifying and knowledge sharing. Thank you for this post. I said, you're welcome, Anna. Thanks for recognizing that and for your genuine empathy. We're all in this together. And then the Early Career Physicians Institute account said, thank you, Stephen, for sharing and amplifying. And I said, my pleasure. Thanks for being a light in the dark for so many current and future early career docs. Finally, Dr. Robert Kornfeld, another friend of mine that I met through LinkedIn. He's a podiatrist who owns a functional medicine for chronic foot and ankle pain and also has a teaching institute and course where he helps other podiatrists build direct care functional medicine podiatry practices. Robert says, 
Thanks for highlighting this tragic issue in medicine, Stephen. There is a huge difference between the day you are hired, where you are filled with the hope and excitement of helping patients, and the day you are fired. It is then that you realize you signed a contract with the devil. Depending on any entity, corporation, or insurance company for your livelihood puts you at risk of exploitation, or worse yet, abandonment when they find someone to do what you do at a lower salary. Or maybe they just don't like you or your opinions. We are at a crossroad in medicine. Most doctors have hit, quote, the wall. Many are leaving medicine or going out to create their own direct care or concierge practices. I applaud all doctors who have pushed past their fear to create something that affords them autonomy and authenticity. Still, sadly, some cannot put one foot in front of the other because they are in a state of burnout. Please reach out for help. You can overcome this and create the life and professional experience that works for you. And I said, thank you, Robert. And I quoted him. Depending on any entity, corporation, or insurance company for your livelihood puts you at risk of exploitation or, worse yet, abandonment when they find someone to do what you do at a lower salary. I quoted that because I thought it was so important. And then I said, we actively protect ourselves against so many risks, but this is a huge one that many of us don't consider. That will change over time, and that change starts with conversations, education, and awareness. Thanks for being part of the change. I'm so grateful to Dr. Saucher for having the courage to share her story. The story broke my heart, but it also made me realize that I wasn't alone. I know there are many other doctors out there who have been terminated without cause. This can be a deeply traumatic event, and if there's one thing I know about trauma, it's that nothing good can come from suppressing it. Coming in at number three on the list with a total of 6,030 impressions is a post from about four months ago. Piece of media I used in this post was a photo of the little boy, Sam, from Love Actually. I remembered Sam's face and it resonated with me when I was telling the story. I've had more than my fair share of good air travel fortune. I was due for a hiccup or two, and I'm grateful they came while traveling alone. However, when things happen for you rather than to you, your perspective changes radically. On my way to an advocacy meeting in Washington, D.C. yesterday, the plane I was supposed to take from Wisconsin to Chicago hit a bird on its way to us. Appropriate precautions resulted in a substantial delay that caused me to miss my connection out of Chicago. I was heartened to discover there was a similar flight scheduled to depart a couple hours later, so I headed to see a gate agent for some help. I'd still make it to the meeting in time. En route, a little boy caught my eye. He was no more than a year or two older than my son. Think an edgier, younger version of the Love Actually kid. Maybe it was the dinosaur shirt because that's all my guy wears these days. But it was the look of concern on his face that held my protective gaze. I slowed down and watched him pace back and forth with no obvious parent or guardian in sight. As his face grew more concerned, I started walking toward him. At the same moment, he took a hard left turn and courageously flagged down an airport staff member who immediately sprung into empathetic action. We provided him some much-needed reassurance and applauded his plea for help. Knowing he was in good hands and would soon be back with his family, I continued on my way. If not for that unfortunate bird. I'm still looking for the silver lining from my return flight also being delayed resulting in another misconnection and an unanticipated second night in D.C., 
but I did just have some top-notch fish and chips at an Irish pub in Crystal City. Hashtag mindset, hashtag silver linings, hashtag love actually, hashtag air travel. Right now, this post is actually reminding me of something they at least used to do that I imagine they still do at Disney World and Disneyland and I'm sure all the Disney parks as part of the Disney brand. And that's when the staff, all of the Disney team members are taught, if you see a child who looks lost or if a child comes to you and they say they're lost, you welcome them in, you get on their level, you make them feel some comfort in that terrifying moment. And you simply say to them, you're not lost. Your parents are lost. Let's go find them. This post got a few reactions, 12 of them and eight comments, but for some reason it got a lot of impressions. Perhaps it was due to the image I used. I'm really not sure. I didn't expect it to do as well as it did. You can certainly read the comments on this one if you'd like, but I'm not going to do that for this one. I thought they were particularly important for the post about Dr. Saucier's story, though. Coming in at number two, with 12,227 impressions, is a post that I titled, You've Been Abruptly Terminated. The post has a screenshot from a video podcast recording with myself, an incredible physician advocate named Kim Downey, who I also met through LinkedIn and is doing amazing things right now, and Kevin Fa of Kevin MD. I had the opportunity to be interviewed by Kevin on his daily podcast as a result of the advocacy work that Kim did. Kim invited myself and a couple others, both Dr. Diana Londonio and Dr. Jillian Rigert to write an article with her called A Message of Hope for Physicians. Diana and Jillian both graciously deferred the spotlight to me so that I could be on the show, since I had never been on it. You've been abruptly terminated. I'm grateful to Kim Downey, a fierce advocate for physicians, and Kevin Fa, MD, for facilitating this important conversation and helping bring it to a larger audience. Doctors need to know their jobs are not as, quote, secure, unquote, as they may think. We're indoctrinated in countless ways throughout our training and professional careers. One of the few examples that actually feels positive and encouraging is job stability, but that can create a false sense of security. Yes, there is a physician shortage, and there will always be somewhere you can practice if you desire. But that's where it ends. Don't take your job for granted. Don't think you'll be fine as long as you get consistently excellent reviews, have great relationships with your team, close all your charts on time, and check all the compliance boxes. You'll likely be fine if you do those four things, or, sadly for patients, even just two of them, close charts, check boxes keep the revenue cycle going. As long as you add an important fifth, keep your mouth shut. I'm not telling you not to go get a job, although I do recommend independent practice if it's right for you. I'm telling you not to rely completely on your job and not to take it for granted. Had I not created a stable and strong financial foundation and additional streams of income long prior to my abrupt termination, which was without cause by my employer, it would have been even more traumatic for my family and me. As Vagabond MD said, the hospital will not love you back, and you shouldn't expect it to. The second half of that was from me. Take responsibility for yourself. There are plenty of great resources for getting help with that, 
you but you must still take responsibility for yourself. Shout out to my friends and all around amazing docs, Diana Londoño, MD, and Jillian Rigerty, MD, both of whom were also featured in the article, A Message of Hope for Physicians. Kevin, MD, written by Kim Downey, September 17th, 2023, on which this interview was based. How are you making yourself and your family more resilient to unexpected and potentially catastrophic events? Hashtag abrupt termination, hashtag balance, hashtag advocacy and action, hashtag medicine. Now this post got 25 reactions, 34 comments, one repost. I wasn't surprised by that at all. Stories hit. People relate to stories, especially ones that are a bit shocking. I'm going to read the comments in this one because I do think they're helpful. Kira Barr, MD, who's a Fellow dermatologist says, thank you for highlighting this important topic and sharing your story, growth mindset, and resilience. I think this scenario is looming in the minds of so many physicians, but there is a sense of helplessness for many, and listening to this episode offers an alternative path and perspective. Nauman Shah, a consultant audiological physician. Yes, totally agree with you. I worked in a similar situation, and it was so frustrating and painful to go through all that. My friend Michael Hirsch, again, I think about that Vagabond MD quote a lot. This hospital will not love you back. It regularly informs the decisions I make in my life. Thank you for sharing your experience and your vulnerability with us. It isn't easy, and I hope many people are listening and learning from your experience. I will try to heed your advice about keeping my mouth shut, but that has been a lifelong struggle for me. Me too, Michael. Michael continues, This was a really wonderful episode, and I greatly appreciate the work that you, Kim Downey, Diana Londoño, and Jillian Rigert put into the article. And I said, you're welcome, Michael. Thanks for the kind words and for listening. I don't want to call the keeping your mouth shut part advice, per se. However, it does unfortunately seem to be the case that big box hospitals prefer to employ a certain type of physician and find it convenient to avoid slash disconnect from other types. Here's to a couple of guys with lifelong struggles of keeping our mouth shut. I'm slowly learning that sometimes keeping my mouth shut is the right thing to do and can be a sign of strength, not weakness. It all comes back to balance. And at this point, I would also add self-awareness. Donna Coriel, MD, physician and founder and CEO of SomiDocs and healthcare tech advisor, says, We make ourselves more resilient by talking through options regularly. What if we lost our jobs? What if we needed to move? What if our health was affected? These are all important considerations. And someone responded to her and said, I've had all three of them. I said, yes, these are questions and conversations I now recognize I've had far too few of in my life to date. Best time to start is now. Alexandra Stockwell, MD, said, this is an important reminder that none of us are invincible and you never know what the future holds. It's a sad reality that we often have to choose between integrity and job security. I'm so glad you were prepared enough that this didn't create trauma for you and your family. I said, thank you, Alexandra. My hope is that it serves as a reminder for some and a wake-up call for others. It was definitely the latter for me. Despite my strong foundation, this abrupt and unexpected change was still traumatic, but I'm grateful it wasn't as bad as it otherwise could have been. Martin L. Hoffman said, Dr. Brittany Bussey heads up Vital Health. She saw the need for sanity in the system and quality of life and practice for doctors. It begins with a co-op model that gives back power and control. The seed of the idea, enabling and facilitating. Sane, quality medical practice, independently and yet supported. 
learn about getting your life back. Talk to us. And he left the web address for Vital Health, vitalhealth.com, V-I-T-E-L health.com. And full disclosure, I don't have a, a financial relationship with them, but I am considering using their services for my direct care practice. And I'm a big fan of their team so far. And I said, thanks, Martin. I recall making a note about Vital Health at some point, and this is a good reminder to do some digging. Again, this was about four months ago. And Martin said, Brittany Bussey is the founder, a doctor who has the lived experience to speak to the entire issue and the opportunities of the co-op model. I will reach out to connect with you, and perhaps you will want to talk to Brittany. I think you will be glad you did. If you send me an email, I can help. Sometimes we are too busy to do things that give us back control and power for ourselves. I thanked him, and I did email him. And I've since talked to the co-founder of the company, Brittany Bussey. And as I said, I, I do think I'll be utilizing their services. Diana Londano, MD, said, I was shocked when I listened to it as this was not part of the article. And yet your incredible mindset, strength, and courage gives us all hope for sure. Yes, there are real and true consequences to speaking up and being vocal. But at the same time, we are intelligent people who can figure things out. It is time to stop internalizing other people's trauma, pain, or dysfunction and making it our own. If they can't see the light in us, then okay, we move on and we shine brighter, which is what you will do. Congrats, and I am so happy it was you and Kim on the podcast. You guys did an amazing job and your message had to be shared. So amazed and inspired by you. And Kim responded, I love your inspiring words here, Diana, and thank you very much for all your encouragement and support. And I said, thank you, Diana. Your bright, shining light has been a big inspiration for me, as I'm sure it is to many others. Keep it up. Our friend Susan Baumgartel said, excellent piece. Yes, I was one of those who refused to keep my mouth shut, even though I was 10 out of 10 for all the boxes, metrics, satisfaction scores, and production. Never again. And I said, yes, never again. Dr. Asha Padmanabhan said, this was a harsh lesson to learn, Stephen. I'd gone through years of my career believing that if I worked hard, my job was secure. Little did I know how little control I had. Learning from the trauma of that has been an experience. And I know that when I only work for someone else, I will always be insecure. And that is what started my journey to multiple income streams. More physicians need to do that. Thank you for highlighting this. And I said, thank you for sharing that, Asha. I know this has happened to so many more of us than we can imagine. Fortunately, it's the kind of trauma from which remarkable growth and positive change can come. Dr. Amna Shabir, founder of Early Career Physicians Institute, said, thank you for your authenticity and vulnerability in sharing. This is not easy, but it needs to be heard and said. These hit home for me in so many ways, especially point number five, which is how the system turns into a tyrant. Quote, don't think you'll be fine. And I replied to her, my pleasure. Um, thanks for the kind words. It's a gift and a privilege to be able to share my story safely and know it will help others. Dr. Robert Kornfeld said, kudos to you, Stephen. Right now, this is the most important issue doctors are facing. When a third party is making money off your back, whether commercial health insurance or private equity or other, you are subject to the whims of their financial algorithm. Too many doctors are finding this out the hard way. There is no such thing as job security. There is only profit metrics. It's time doctors grew a backbone and revolted against a system that exploits and abuses them. And I said, no doubt about that, Robert. Too many of us have been naive and overly trusting of the system for far too long. But the times they are changing, and a growing number of us are becoming aware of where the wind is blowing. I'm excited to be part of it. 
Kim Downey said, thank you, Stephen and Jillian and Diana. I'm honored and humble every single time I reach out to busy physicians such as yourself with an idea or a question. And you all take the time to contribute to articles, participate in podcasts, and answer questions, all with the focus on supporting and educating your colleagues. My heart is filled with gratitude for you every single day. Whenever you all share your stories, another physician feels less alone. Kim also has a video podcast of her own now, and I believe she is also, which I will be appearing on, and I look forward to having Kim on my show. Kim actually talks a bit about her devastating experience losing one of her most beloved physicians to suicide, and that's what brought her down the road of becoming this fierce physician advocate that she now is. Dr. Claire Davies says, I agree. I know GPs in the United Kingdom who were made redundant or a practice suddenly goes under. And my wonderful friend, Dr. Adam Harrison, an international leadership coach, said, Claire, I was made redundant from a salaried GP post in 2018, but in a much more humane way than Stephen was. And I said, there are so many things that can and do happen. Some we have some influence over and some we have none. It's on us to watch out for ourselves and become resilient and accepting of this reality. And Adam says again, I listened to this episode yesterday. I love the growth mindset approach you chose to adopt. You have picked yourself up and are taking yourself in an exciting new direction, developing yourself in several new ways as you go. Great work. And thank you, Kim, for seeing how Stephen's story would be so inspiring for many physicians potentially like him and asking him to share with us. Kim says, thank you, Adam. I'm grateful to be able to spotlight amazing physicians making critical contributions, including the upcoming publication of our collaboration as well. And finally, I said thank you for the kind words and encouragement, Adam, and for listening. You can see just how much genuine, heartfelt, and sometimes even painful conversation was generated by both that post and the number four post, the story from Dr. Saucier generated. This is the stuff that hits, and it's obvious why. Some silly stuff hits too, which is great. Funny stuff hits. But at the heart of it, it's stories, because stories are how we connect with each other as humans. I didn't plan it this way, but it's not surprising to me that two of my top four best-performing posts out of those 107 posts that I mentioned are both about this concept of abrupt termination of physicians. Finally, for the best performing post out of those 107 pieces, you'll have to wait and see. I'll be doing a podcast later about this post because it was actually chosen by Dr. Coriel of some docs to be part of a feature that she is at least tentatively calling social dissections. She interviewed me about the post because she saw that it stood out above and beyond certainly some of the other stuff that I was producing and what she had been seeing perhaps from others and wanted to dive deeper into it to dissect what makes a post like this successful, what makes it impactful, what makes it hit. I had a great conversation with her. We had a lot of fun. It's meant to be more on the humorous, laid back side. That will be coming out soon. When it does come out, I'll link to it and also incorporate it into a follow-up podcast episode. So stay tuned for that, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Stephen here. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way you can support a podcast is to share, follow, subscribe, and most importantly, leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast hosting platform. 
If you're new here, you might not feel ready to leave an honest review yet. That's totally fine. At the very least, keep listening and share it with one person in your life who you think might benefit from it. Thanks for being here. Your attention means the world to me. I'll see you on the next episode.